0: It's known to only a few people on Crucible, and I would be very glad if it remained that way. I'll be sure not to mention it to my many hundreds of visitors. You do receive the occasional visitor. We went to a lot of trouble to allow you that luxury. Yes, and you never let me forget it. Her tone had been sharp, and perhaps she realized as much. She swallowed creased her lips in immediate regret. In the silence that ensued, Mpozzi found his gaze wandering around the kitchen, taking in its blank, bare surfaces. It struck him that his sister had begun to turn her life into an exhibit of itself, a static tableau reduced to the uncluttered essentials. His own government had made her a prisoner, but Ndege herself was complicit in the exercise, happily discarding her remaining luxuries and concessions. Somewhere in the house, a clock ticked. I'm sorry, she said finally. I know you worked hard to help me, but being here on my own, knowing what the world thinks of me, we've picked up a signal. The oddness of this statement drew a frown from Ndege. A what? A radio transmission. Very faint? but clearly artificial from a solar system tens of light years away that no one from any of the settled systems is supposed to have reached or explored yet. Interestingly, the transmission strength definitely tailed off the further you moved from the system center, meaning it was aimed at us, not to broadcast in all directions. More than that, it appears to concern you. For the first time since his arrival, he had at least a measure of her interest, guarded and provisional as it was. Me? Quite unambiguous. It mentions your forename. There are lots of people called Ndege. Not lately there aren't. It asked us to send you. Send Ndege in Swahili. That's the extent of the message. It began, continued repeating for a matter of hours, then shut off. We're keeping an eye on that part of space, of course, but we've heard nothing since. Where? A system called Gliese 163, about 70 light-years from us. Someone or something there went to the trouble of lining up a radio transmitter and sending us this message. Okay absorbed the information with the quiet concentration that was so thoroughly her own. Over a lifetime together, Mpozzi had learned to recognize their differences as well as their similarities. He was a speaker, a reactor, a man who needed to be constantly on the move, constantly engaged in this business or that. Ndege was the reflective one, the thinker, taking little for granted. She opened the medical box, plucked out one of the hypodermic sprays and touched the device to the skin of her forearm. The oxygen gets to me these days. I'm the same, he said. It was hard in the early years of settlement, then for a long while I thought I had adapted, that I could live without medical assistance. But the blood carries a memory. She put the hypodermic back into the box, snapped the lid down, and pushed the container aside. So, who sent this signal? We don't know. The clock kept ticking. He studied Ndege, measuring her visible age against his own, wondering how much of her frailty was the direct result of time passing, of the physiological stress of adapting to a new planet, and how much the consequence of her imprisonment and public shaming. She was thinner in the face than Nposi, and there was still an asymmetry there from the minor stroke she had suffered three decades ago. Her hair was short, thin, and white. She cut it herself as far as he knew. Her skin was a map of old lesions and discolorations. She looked tremendously old to him, but there were also days when he caught a glimpse of his own reflection and stared back in startled affront, barely recognizing his own face. Then again, The light could shift, her expression could change, and she was his sister again, just as she had been during their brave young years aboard the hollow ship.